Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is August 19th, 2020, which means I'm on day 249 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Well, folks, I hate to say it. No, I don't. I love to say it. I told you so. For those haters out there who thought the fakers were going to beat the Blazers and sweep them, at least we now know a sweep will not occur on the side of L.A. With the Blazers up one nothing after a triumphant game, which saw a lot more defense than most of these offensive-only games in the NBA bubble, where teams were usually scoring 120 up to 130 points, the Blazers held L.A. to a low score of 93 points. That's correct. The Lakers scored only 93 in an entire basketball game in the modern age of basketball where teams are scoring up to 130 plus points in regulation play. The Blazers scored 100 and you know what they say, first to 100 wins, it's Lawler's Law. Now, I gotta say I'm proud of my guys for this. The Blazers did what they had to do, struggling to draw double and triple teams off of Damian Lillard but he found different ways to make that work. He would drive towards the basket, and when he was getting double-teamed, he would kick the ball out, and people like Carmelo Anthony were making shots, C.J. McCollum. I'm telling you, this team is unstoppable. Prepare for the next game, and the Lakers better also, because I think even LeBron was surprised. They play again at 6 p.m. on Thursday, Game 2, Let's take that one as well, Blazers, and then bring it home, even though there's really no home court advantage. They change a couple things on the court to make it look like the Moda Center, and then they change the fake crowd noise to appease you when you make a shot. But there's really no home court advantage here, and that's helping out the Blazers because the Staples Center can be a very scary place to play when you're not the Lakers and you're not the Clippers, congrats to the Blazers one more time on the W. Ha ha, LeGroin, LeGroin James. Go ahead and start your complaints or, or talking about the officiating because I know you're going to blame it on that. Well, folks, it finally happened. The Joe Exotic Zoo is no more. After too many violations, they were shut down officially and now... The zoo itself will only be used, they say, for footage for future documentary and television and streaming services regarding the Tiger King show. Now, what were the violations? Well, they didn't even have refrigeration for the meat that they would feed the tigers. In fact, upon inspection... There was only a broken refrigerator truck that was housing the meat that they would feed to the tigers and they were inspected previously and then told to fix the refrigerated truck, which they then produced an invoice 
for a broken tractor repair as their proof that they got the truck fixed. Yeah, idiots. So now the owner, Mr. Lowe, who, as you may know, was in cahoots with Joe Exotic at one point, and now they are not good friends. Uh, he has said that the zoo itself is better off not being open because now the spies from PETA and these other places that hate them can no longer infiltrate their area and get them screwed. But I don't know what they're going to do with all these animals, especially when, when they come in and they shut down a zoo like this. Don't they take the animals away too? I mean, you shut down the zoo and then you just say goodbye? If you know they're violating animal rights, then stop the animal right violations. I don't know. All I know is Joe Exotic was sentenced to 22 years in prison for his plot to kill Carol Baskin. And with that being said, he will never see the light of day to see his zoo ever anyway. I mean, in 22 years, if that guy's still alive, I will be very surprised. But I know Carol Baskin will be going strong because nobody can kill Carol Baskin. But she can murder her husband and feed him to tigers and nothing will happen to her. That bitch. Now, folks, I'm sure you heard about the fact that Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., are supposed to be fighting in an exhibition match. Eight rounds. Big deal. It's called League of Legends. However, it got pushed back from its original date of September to November 28th in hopes that this will produce more viewers and build up more suspense, given the fact that we have more time to think about this and prepare for it and have somebody order that pay-per-view so that we can watch it. But now, Roy Jones Jr. is talking about backing out. Yep, he says that he's such a busy man that changing the date of the fight is messing with his schedule, and the fact that he's not a full-time professional boxer anymore, even though he just fought in 2018, that messing with his schedule will mess with his ability to make money on the other ventures that he has, which means he demands compensation from the side of Mike Tyson for their changing of the timing in which this fight will take place. Yes, he actually said, and I quote this from him, My lawyers is talking to their lawyers. Yes. And a direct quote from Roy Jones Jr., which is also proof that the level of actual brain cell capacity in his brain and Mike Tyson combined is equal to a homeschooled fourth grader. These guys have nothing left upstairs. But Roy Jones Jr. still, in his state of mind, demands that he gets compensated in the meantime while waiting for the fight in November now, that's November 28th, folks. We believe it will happen, and they will collaborate fundage to appropriate to the camp of Roy Jones Jr. so that he can feel that he's getting the necessary compensation in the meantime since he's losing out on so many other things he had scheduled. Yeah, right. 
This will be an epic fight and perhaps the start of something new called the League of Legends where we get to see old timers walk with their walkers up to the ring and, you know, take off the little tennis balls off the bottom of their walkers and get help into the ring probably with with a little step stool and maybe a couple people kind of holding each one of their arms. And once they make their old decrepit bodies available to fight, we get to watch what will surely be a full of shadow punches and not really hardcore boxing occur. And these old timers will just lay it all out there. We might see somebody die eventually. Someone might keel over and die because of their old age combined with getting hit with a punch. I don't know if they can take another concussion, but Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson, set for November 28th. Watch it. I believe it will happen. Well, folks, the Padres weaned out another win yesterday, but here's how it all happened. So, I turn on the game. The Padres are up 6 nothing. Their pitcher, having given up zero hits and zero runs through four innings, gets pulled. Yep, they pull the pitcher, I have no idea why, and put in some idiot whose ERA is 11.25, which was obvious because he immediately gave up four runs in a row. Finally, the Padres got out of that inning and continued to rotate through their mass Rolodex of terrible relief pitchers until they found one that could finish off the game for them. Now, I don't know what is wrong with the management and coaching staff for the San Diego Padres, but even a little baby boy or a toddler or even a little baby girl can see that if somebody is beating the crap out of another team, not letting them hit, not letting them get runs, striking people out, and just whooping ass on the mound, then you leave them in the game. And you don't swap them with a guy who gives up a ton of runs all the time. In fact, that guy shouldn't even be on your team. Send him back to the minor leagues to learn how to pitch and leave the starting pitcher in. I have no idea how this happened or why. But the coaching for the Padres is just stupid. In fact, yesterday, or was it the day before, when Fernando Tatis Jr., the only good player on the Padres, that's right, the only good player, Manny Machado sucks, we pay him $300 million, and he's not a good baseball player. But Fernando Tatis Jr., who gets five hundred dollars a year only, is the absolute star of the show so far. And after he swung away on a 3-0 and pitch and hit a grand slam for the Padres, the coaches yelled at him for breaking the unwritten rule that you should never swing away on a 3-0 and pitch and you always take the pitch. And they were mad that he got a grand slam. I cannot believe that. How can you be mad at a player for getting a grand slam. So other players, former and current, stepped up on Twitter to announce that they don't give a crap about this unwritten rule. Even pitchers 
claim that they don't get into a 3-0 and count because they don't suck at pitching, and it's the pitcher's fault, not the batter. And the batter should never take a pitch no matter what, especially if they're going to hit a grand slam and keep baseball interesting and fun, considering how slow and boring and dull it usually is. So from me to you, Fernando Tatis Jr., swing away every time, buddy, especially if you're going to hit grand slams. Speaking of grand slams yesterday, Will Myers hit a grand slam for the San Diego Padres. Way to go, Willie. So, folks, either you've been on a public transportation bus before in your life, so this will be easy to imagine, or you have never been on one, but you can still imagine what it would be like. I've been on many a bus. I've been on every sort of public transportation there ever was. Uh, Not recently. In fact, I don't think I've been on a bus in the city of San Diego, but uh, when I lived in Portland and I didn't have a license or a car, many a bus I rode. So imagine this scenario. 6.45 a.m., you're the only one on the bus with a bus driver, and for some reason or another, the female bus driver just bashes into four parked cars and just shreds them apart and puts you in the hospital on your way to work. Well, that's what happened in Chula Vista yesterday. An MTS bus driver, that's Metropolitan transportation service, an MTS bus driver smashed into four parked cars. I don't even know how that happens. They were parked, so it should have been easy for you to see and avoid them. But she smashed into these four parked cars, injuring herself and the person on board to the extent in which they both went to the hospital. And of course, the driver wasn't even cited by the police because they felt bad for her And she's an MTS bus driver, so it it was probably not her fault. But it was. She hit four parked cars in a bus. That seems like something that's easy to avoid doing. Now, I've never driven one of these buses. I'm sure it can be difficult here or there. And for me, I assume I would scuff a light pole or something once in a while. Or, you know, maybe even ding a car that's way too close to me on the highway or something. But I assume it would be pretty easy to not smash into four-part cars. When asked why she did this, she simply said, I lost control. Yeah, I think you did. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast that is super exciting and amazing every single time you hear it. And that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy, Hankst, and Barbecues, and that's BBQUSION. I'm going to tell you a story today, folks, that involves bus drivers. Well, not multiple, but one. Uh, I have, like I said, been on quite a few buses in my day. And in fact, I used to ride the Max a lot of places. I actually rode the Max a couple weeks ago from the airport into town when I arrived in Portland to visit some friends in the area known as Beaverton or Hillsboro, whichever you want to call it there. They basically almost overlap. So I've ridden a lot of buses and maxes and everything. And I've had a few circumstances that uh, were probably my fault for the most part. One in particular was when I was riding the bus to school 
I used to ride the city bus, that's correct, to community college because I went to college when I was 16 because I got kicked out of high school and I went to a high school completion program where if you have really good grades in high school but you got kicked out, then they assume you can pass the community college classes, which I did and were easy, and if you pass the classes, then the state will help pay your tuition and your family just has to pay for books and all these other things. So that's what I did. I went to high school completion at Portland Community College where I would get college credits at the same time as finishing up high school, which would hopefully lead me to go to a university and all that, but it never did and it didn't pan out and I'm still a loser. So I was riding a bus. I would get on a first bus and it would take me to the Willow Creek Max Station up 185th and then that bus would drop me off And I would ride a second bus up 185th all the way to Portland Community College. Now, I got on the second bus and I see some friends of mine and they start, you know, just doing what they do and saying, What up, motherfucker? Yeah, it's good to see you, you piece of shit. Man, I miss your big white ass. Oh, my God. And we just start shooting the shit in the way that we used to which was extremely foul-mouthed and just filthy. And we were just, we were not kind and nice-sounding individuals. Although we weren't talking true crap to each other, we would actually be cussing and cursing so much, it probably sounded like two pirates going at her, two sailors just yelling at each other. So I'm talking to some friends. We're shooting the shit. We're cussing up a storm. And out of nowhere... Almost as soon as we leave the Mac station on the bus, the bus driver pulls over and says, you guys need to stop cussing because I don't like those type of words on my bus. And it's disrespectful to me and the other riders and blah, blah, blah. And there was like one other person on the bus, like some super fat hobo who was like half asleep in the front, couldn't even hear us anyways. And... We did not take a liking to what the bus driver just said to us. So we proceeded to tell the bus driver to suck our D's and to lick our V's and to eat a fat D and all these other things. You know, we just, we spit off a mouthful of profanities and crap talk to this bus driver thinking, you can't do nothing to us, what you gonna do? And of course, the bus driver slams on the brakes pulls over, runs to the back, and tells us all to get off. Now, one of the guys I was with, he doesn't take crap talk like that from anybody. He was willing to fight this probably 250-pound, angry old man bus driver. He was not about to take some crap from this dude. So he straight up says, what you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do? Throw me off the bus. I ain't leaving. And the bus driver Man, he starts getting irate. I mean, he gets in this kid's face, screams at him, and somehow gets him off the bus. So I'm next in line to face the ridicule of the bus driver and the and the screaming. And he gets into my face and actually raises his arms up like he's going to push me or hit me. And I'm like, I dare you. I dare you to touch me, you fat piece of garbage. I will sue the ever-loving shit out of you and destroy your measly, pathetic career as a bus driver. I just went off on him and, I mean, I said some things. 
I feel bad to this day. I pointed out the guy's weight. I pointed out his age, his career choice, the fact that kids can disrespect him all day and he can't do nothing to us. And this dude was pissed. He actually grabbed me and threw me off of his bus. And, you know, I didn't fall or anything. He was just kind of like got me by my shirt and dragged me off of there. And, and I thought about ways I could get revenge. But while I sat there waiting for an additional bus to come pick me up, this one, which I planned on not getting kicked off of, I realized I was going to be late for school. And it was because I'm an idiot and I chose to disrespect the bus driver, a person who goes not really out of their way, specifically in their way to pick me up, but chose to let the first maybe three minutes of our screaming and profanity slide before they decided to kick me off of their bus for good reason, because I was a degenerate piece of crap and I needed to learn a lesson. Now, I will never forget that day or that bus driver. Good for you, sir, now that I look back upon that. Had I been the bus driver in that position and some kids had disrespected me in the great extent that we disrespected him, I would have knocked them out. They would have missing teeth from how hard I would have punched them in the face. And this guy held back so much with all the stuff we were saying to him. Congratulations. He deserves an award. And I deserve a long life of burning in hell, which I will surely get. Lesson to be learned here, folks. Don't disrespect your bus drivers. They are badasses. I have nothing but love and respect for them now. They kick ass. What they do is amazing. The abuse they take is not acceptable. Thank you for a job well done. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. Have a fantastic afternoon, and I will... Talk to you tomorrow. Now, some folks, they actually get to know their bus drivers who are on a specific route, who they see every single morning, and it means a lot to them. And there's a song, a rap song by Eli, about a bus driver he came to be close with on his way through Oakland each morning. And I'm going to play that song for you right now as a respect for all bus drivers everywhere. Oakland black, she black me, she kept her front door open They call her Miss Rachel when she'd open her heart to her neighbors And I, oh, lived there too, and when I did She drove that bus through the cuts where most white folks could never live And I had a woman in my family who I could identify with in a certain way Yes, I could play my music understood by my aunt One of the first songs ever made with the grout Sat with her in a pickup truck and played that shit real loud I had my proud face on when she came to see me Rapper claps were heard from the back No lectures and things were never trace We back, she liked the simple man song This woman ran strong, her energy is long For decades and beyond This bus driver, I can't find my way home Can you pick my spirit up and take me to a safe zone? Angel of the oak, can you play music for your folks? I'm kinda down, I need to hear the notes So Miss Bus Driver, can't find my way home Can you pick my spirit up and take me to a safe zone? Archangel of the oak, can you play music for your folks? I'm kinda down, I need to hear the notes You're not around, but I can feel the hope 
generosity Characteristic not found these days A willingness to expose your soul Give it all in a gaze of love Compassion for your fellow man so rare So there, I guess he needed a bus driver with flair Who would never charge an angel fare Just get them all to care For the human beings they need to guard And whisper in their ears to kill the fear Her mother Helen taught them empower women Some men would take that like a sour lemon And scrunch their face up, but wait up Don't raise your hands up She'd make you sit down, not take your shit now She'd get the band up in Ella Street Make a fella tap his feet Now a part of the universal tapestry Looking out for Margaret on the backbeat Mom and dad and Rachel on the tag team And man if you ask me It's not sad, it's actually an angel that we needed In the ranks to harmonize planetary harmony And man the solid feet This bus driver, I can't find my way home Can you pick my spirit up and take me to a safe zone? Angel of the oak, can you play music for your folks? I'm kinda down, I need to hear the notes so Miss Bus Driver, can't find my way home Can you pick my spirit up and take me to a safe zone? Archangel of the Oak, can you play music for your folks? I'm kinda down, I need to hear the notes You're not around, but I can feel the hope Miss Bus Driver, can't find my way home Angel of the O, can you play music for your folks? I'm kinda down, I need to hear the note.